I don't think there's any CEO ever that would say, yeah, the business world like 10 years from now is going to be different than it is right now. Our supply chain has to be more diversified and more sustainable. We have to appeal to the employee desires uh, for purpose. We have to manage our waste streams and our, our negative externalities. I don't think any CEOs in the long term disagree with that. The problem is actually, what do I need to do by the next quarter? And the easiest way for them to build that case is to talk about how it can benefit their sales. So how can it grow their revenues? And I think they look at that and they say, okay, if I, if I approach this sector and say, can this sector actually help me grow my, my sales, which is rather self-serving, which is maybe weird for more of us impact oriented folks to be able to talk about, but they can say, okay, I could uncover new market opportunities either by, by helping grow the bottom of the pyramid or by appealing to certain customers that are willing to pay for higher priced products and services if they know that it's also benefiting the, the greater good. And welcome to the Social Enterprise Alliance podcast. Today, we're sharing an awesome conversation we had with Mark Horshovsky, the CEO at Moving Worlds. Moving Worlds is a social enterprise that convenes partners from all sectors to build a more equitable, just, and sustainable economy by empowering social enterprises and the people working with and within them. Its global platform connects social enterprises with corporates, peers, learning content, and a global community of pro bono professionals to deliver market-based solutions for the sustainable development goals, while simultaneously providing a scalable solution for corporations to achieve their ESG targets by educating and empowering employees. Well, Mark, it's great to have you on the podcast. Welcome and thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks so much, Lauren. Excited to be here. We're looking forward to our conversation today. I guess to get started, um, why don't you start by telling us a little more about the work that you do with Moving Worlds and the Transform Social Hub? Yeah. Um, so at Moving Worlds, our mission is really to help accelerate the progress towards a more just, sustainable, and equitable economy. And, and we believe that in order to get there, we really need to invest in, in the actual humans and the individuals that are that are making the moves to get us there, right? And so, okay, so so who's doing that, right? These are these are professionals that work in the economy. These are professionals at at corporations. These are executives. These are managers, and these are these are individual contributors. And at the same time, we believe that entities, social enterprises specifically, are really setting a model for the future of how the economy can work. And so, our our goal is to really support these social enterprises in scaling up, in growing their operations, in building new connections, and to get them connected to professionals around the world that are thinking about what they do on a day-to-day basis and saying, how can I do my work and make a bigger impact? So what we do with the the Transform Support Hub, uh, which is also in partnership with Unilever, uh, SAP, uh, initiative called Transform, We've also welcomed other new partners on like EY, the World Economics Forums, Global Alliance for Social Entrepreneurship, is create a single global acceleration platform for social enterprises anywhere that are looking to scale up by building the skills of their team, by expanding their customer bases, and by improving the way they create impact. 
That's really awesome, Mark. That sounds like just absolutely phenomenal and really invaluable work for um, for social enterprises. Um, I'm curious about you and your background. How did you get involved with Moving Worlds and, and what were you up to before that? Yeah. Well, uh, winding roads for, for, for all of us, I'm sure. You know, I, yeah. when I answer this question, I really actually start with uh, kind of my non-professional experience, which, which was largely based around like who I am as a person. So, so both my parents were immigrants over to, to the United States. They met in the United States. They're both from, from, uh, Eastern Europe. My dad from Poland, my mom from Slovenia. And, you know, they, they found their way over to Seattle and that's where I was born. And from an early age, um, we really had to create community where, where we were. Um, and so we kind of did that in, in, in the Polish community and in, in communities of other immigrants. And, um, and so I was taught kind of really early on, like the value of community, right? And the, the, the value of having this kind of local place, um, that, that by virtue of having it kind of makes life better for everybody living in it. Um, and then from there, I was very, very involved then in community based initiatives. So I got very involved, uh, in, in community service, got very involved in the American Cancer Society. Both my parents are, are cancer survivors. And so that was really a strong motivation to get involved. And uh, when I started at university, uh, the the American Cancer Society was was launching uh, fundraising activities, and and we helped grow uh, a really really successful college fundraiser that moved it to online fundraising. Uh, and we were so at one point we we're like this leading online fundraiser for the American Cancer Society. So fast forward, you know, I get a degree in accounting, uh, I get a master's in accounting, I go work in accounting, and I always felt like the reason that I got that job was because I'd actually had all this community-based experience, right? I knew how to manage programs. I knew how to organize myself. I knew how to do things. And I got that by volunteering, right? By, by being engaged beyond just kind of the normal day-to-day. Uh, and uh, I remember I was invited to speak at a conference for the American Cancer Society to, as a training uh, for, for others. Uh, and I couldn't go because it was busy season. And it felt like that was a broken contract. Like I got hired because of this great experience. But then now that I was working there, even though it was on the weekend, granted it's busy season and I understand that, you know, the, the economics of these organizations, but, uh, I was ultimately told that I, that I couldn't go. Uh, and that really kind of rubbed me the wrong way. And so I ended up actually leaving and joining a smaller healthcare marketing agency. I thought that would be closer to, to the work that we did. Um, we grew its digital marketing practice. Uh, and I actually got to lead that, which was an incredible opportunity for me. And then we hit the Great Recession and we actually made it through, right? Like, I, I still don't know how we did it, but but we made it through. And uh, coming out of it, the owner was like, okay, I want you to try and sell as quickly as you can. And I was like, oh, I actually have a different plan, right? Here's how I think we could support the nonprofit industry and everything. He's like, cool, that's cute, but no, I want to retire and I was like, again, broken contract, right? So that's really sparked my interest in, are there different entities that are still using the power of business? Because I saw the power of that. Um, and uh, and so ultimately, I was like, well, I'm going to go learn about this stuff and, you know, go back in time, uh, almost 15 years, the the the... the the language around social business, around social enterprise wasn't, wasn't as well known. There weren't programs for it. So I said, I'm going to go travel around the world. I'm going to volunteer my skills with social enterprises. Uh, and from there, I'm going to figure out uh, what I can do to kind of contribute to this movement. Uh, and that's ultimately where I met Derek, who's my, my co-founder. And uh, it was actually his idea. He said, you know, social enterprises are always looking for capital, but typically they need other types of non-financial support first. Uh, do you think yeah. there's an opportunity? Are there more people like you? Are there more things happening? We said, let's see if we can figure it out. So here we are. Wow. 
Yeah. That's awesome. That's a fantastic story. And I really love, I love all of like the personal background that you shared that brought you to this. And also I just, I'm excited because I'm also Slovenian. Um, so I was excited what? to hear you say that. Yeah. Yeah. My, <laughs> my maiden name or my middle name now is Decleva. Um, my oh, great grandparents immigrated and they landed in Utah and then kind of went everywhere. But yeah, so <laughs> I don't, I don't meet many Slovenians. They, they when they True. immigrated, it was still Yugoslavia, but yeah. Okay. Yep. 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 Yep, that was yeah. My, cool. my left, my my mother left under under the Yugoslavia banner as well. But she is, she's wow. a proud Slovenian. Yeah, there's wow, a couple of us so here. Cool. <laughs> That's so cool. That's so cool. <laughs> well, I mean, talk about community, right? That's what kind of one of the roots of all of it. Yeah, <clears throat> I do love how that you you brought up like the the social broken social contracts of of you know two times within that story. And I do feel like that is a, a huge part of what we're trying to navigate, even as we like think through what a new economy looks like. I know for me, I've really wrestled with that. Um, just the idea that you touched on that our economy is kind of built on buy high, sell low, transform everything. Let's, let's get stock prices up and then sell as fast as possible. And, and um, you know, and then sometimes destroys the companies in the process. And And it's really fascinating to me just as I look into the history of our economy, there really aren't that many companies that can make it last 50, 50 or more years, right? And, and the ones that do maybe are like multi-generational family businesses, whereas true, law, even large corporations, they just don't have a track record of being here for the long haul. And I think that one of the things that, one of the things that I've noticed about just the principles behind what social enterprise is, you know, for example, I'm, I'm wrestling with how do I transform to an employee owned structure instead? Mm. Cause it's not about me. Like I want to retire. Like that's, that's a good and healthy thing. But, but the work that we do is not about David. The work that we do is about all of us collectively. So I really like how that was like, wait a minute. Here's a contract that this is what I believe in. It broke. How do we change and navigate that? So. Kind of with that in mind, you know, what is the benefit that social enterprises have as we start to work with corporations and partner together? Cause we're kind of playing by these two different sets of rules. Is there even an opportunity for mm. social enterprises to influence corporations? And what can we learn from corporations through that relationship? Yeah. Yeah. Great questions. You know, I think, um, I was bring it back. Maybe this is like the auditor and me, right? Be like, you kind of like bring it back to like business fundamentals, right? Like uh, how does a business make money? <laughs> where, uh, what are its costs, right? Where, where does it spend money? Um, and then, and then what is, what does it do with the leftover money that it, that it has? Right. And then wh what is the role of social enterprise in all of these? And maybe for, to answer this question, I'll actually stay like through the lens of the corporation, right? So we're actually really lucky to spark work with some some very great corporations um, that have made huge investments in supporting the social enterprise movement. Um, and uh, those that do out of their innovation arms, uh, like like Unilever, uh, out of their uh, corporate social responsibility arms, like SAP, um, when they're making these investments, they are looking at it and saying, you know, in order for us to kind of justify expenditures in supporting this movement, we have to understand how it's also going to benefit our, our business, right? Um, and there's a lot of different ways that it can. There, there's some great research uh, uh, that shows, uh, you know, five different ways uh, that that corporations really do invest uh, or, or do benefit by really engaging 
with the social sector more, getting their employees engaged, thinking about supply chains, um, thinking about employee retention, thinking about cost savings by building up new partnerships, thinking about how they they benefit and can improve uh, their their relationships with governments as well. But on that on that make money part, right? I think what corporations actually would all probably agree with is that if we fast forward far enough into the future, like I I don't think there's any CEO ever that would say, yeah, the business world like ten years from now is going to be different than it is right now. Like it, our supply chain has to be more diversified and more sustainable. Uh, we have to appeal to the employee desires uh, for purpose. Um, we have to manage our waste streams and our, our negative externalities. I, I don't think any CEOs in the long term disagree with that, right? The, the problem is actually, what do I need to do by the next quarter? And the easiest way for them to build that case is to talk about how it can benefit their sales, right? So how can it grow their revenues? And I think they look at that and they say, okay, if I if I approach this sector and say, can this sector actually help me grow my my sales, which is rather self-serving, which is maybe weird for more of us impact-oriented folks to be able to talk about, um, but they can say, okay, I could uncover new market opportunities, right? Uh, either by, by helping grow the bottom of the pyramid uh, or by appealing to um, certain customers that are willing to pay for higher price projects, uh, products and services, and even contribute higher margins if they know that it's also benefiting the, the greater good. So, so, so there's a, there's a, there's a market kind of growth opportunity. Um, there's also new products and services, right? There might be better products or services that can be created for both current, uh, um, customers, existing customers as, as well as future. Uh, and then and just on a slightly long-term horizon too, companies know that I need to be innovating for this future state of business. I have to be doing things even if I don't see revenues from it for, for a while. So from a revenue growth perspective, I think that that story, and there's there's so many anecdotes that, that really show that to be true. And then let's talk about cost savings, right? Companies are also have to manage costs, right? So they need to manage risk, liabilities, et cetera. Um, they also need to manage uh, supply chain disruption. They need to improve the way they distribute products. And again, social enterprises have really incredible innovations here um, that can help corporations do that. And so I think when, when, when business executives stop looking at engagement with social enterprises as philanthropy and actually look at it as being central to their their strategy to become an enduring business that customers love i think if they approach partnership with the social enterprise sector in that model then it starts to create a lot more opportunities for innovation and partnership uh, and i think can really deepen the conversation and as soon as they see these social enterprises exist who manage their externalities who treat their employees fairly who generate revenues while also achieving the sustainable development goals they start to see more and more proof points that actually that type of business model is possible, right? And I think that that really gives a lot of us hope. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. It definitely reminds me of, you know, just there are parallels in the conversations that we have with some of our members who are focused on, you know, consumer selling, like consumer facing products. And it's, when you're talking about a consumer market as well, it's not enough to just have the impact. Like you also have to have a really fantastic product. And so these kinds of conversations are like so important for social enterprises to, you know, appeal to a broader market. Um, you know, your competitive edge is your impact. Like that's why you should choose their products over, you know, other products. But if you don't have a fantastic product to begin with, you know, you're not even 
on the table as a consideration, totally. you know? So that's kind of a very wide reaching concept. Um, I'm just curious too, what do these kinds of partnerships with corporations and social enterprises, what does that typically look like? If there even is a, a formula, I'm sure it can look like many different things. Yeah, sure. So um, let me, let me maybe approach this from, from, from a few different ways, right? Is j- just to just imagine, I don't know, I'm, I'm looking at, I'm looking at my coffee cup, which, I'm a Seattleite. Very sadly, my coffee cup's actually empty. My coffee machine broke this morning. This is very, this is like, it's a very intense morning over here. Such uh, a bummer. <laughs> without the coffee, right? But, but so if, if we actually look at a cup of coffee and say, okay, what happens as we, as we think about a cup of coffee, right? So let's say you go to the store, you buy, you go to the local coffee shop, you buy a cup. 90% of, of that transaction, the money that you pay is actually going to end up rippling through that entire value chain. Right. So it's going to then go to the coffee roaster, right? It's going to then go to the importer. Um, uh, it's from there going to go to whoever packaged it up. And then from there, uh, it'll, it'll go to the farmers. Every one of those operating markets has their own challenges, right? So, you know, farmers might be dealing with, okay, how, how can we actually still more sustainably grow our coffee so that we have long-term futures here? Right. And here there's, there's some social enterprises that are, are helping do that either through farmer education, uh, or through, um, helping corporations trace, uh, bean to cup, uh, methods. So take one social enterprise called Vega Coffee. They actually started as a direct to consumer. They said, we, uh, uh, educate farmers to roast their coffees directly. And then we drop ship that to you and we send it directly to your door. So we, we kind of skip all these steps. We, we put a lot more money in, in, in farmers. We actually lowered the total net carbon that's used in, in the entire chain. Um, this is net positive. So then daily harvest who, who sells, uh, these kind of like prepackaged, like milkshakes to people. They're like, Oh, our consumers want organic farmer roasted coffee. Right. That's a good marketing benefit. Right. So, so now Vega Coffee actually supplies not only direct to consumers, but also to, to these core businesses as a key ingredient. Right. Um, right. So, so I think, I think that's one way. There's another way. Let's then kind of move up from farmers to let's say packagers and, and distributors. Right. So, so somewhere people are like packaging this. Right. And maybe they have to deal with plastic waste. Right. So, okay, what do, what do they do with their plastic waste? And the reason that they need to care is because Unilever or Pepsi or or any of these other brands that are saying, we're going to reduce our virgin plastic consumption are saying, hey, we you need to figure out what to do with this plastic. And you're actually going to report on some of these things to us. And so we need you to help kind of figure out what to do. Well, there are some amazing social enterprises that are figuring out how to manage plastic waste. Uh, take Arclight, which takes wake and plastic and turns it into reusable materials. Those reusable materials are now actually a core ingredient in some of Semex products to, to reduce the carbon load of both manufacturing enough concrete and distributing that concrete. So we start to see how these like bigger corporations are saying, okay, the, some of the, the core things, both central to my product or ancillary, like the packaging need to be improved. In fact, there's social enterprises that have figured that out. Okay, then let's go to the next area. Let's talk about distribution, right? How can distribution be done in a way that's more more transparent? So, you know, if we're distributing through a partner, the money's actually going back all the way to the farmer. Well, guess who really wants to know that, right? Uh, Tony's Chocolooney wants to know that all of the cocoa that's going into their 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 chocolate bars are actually verified. Well, who, who's figured out how to do that? Well, there, there are multiple social enterprises that have figured this out. One is called Meridia, which is actually a, a, 
uh, data as a service uh, company, essentially, who helps corporations verify that the ingredients that go into their supply chain are actually owned by the farmers that they're claiming that they are sourcing from. Right. So along every one of these steps, we start to see how there's little innovations that are needed to actually help the company achieve their goals of delivering to you, a consumer, a sustainable and socially equitable cup of coffee. Well, and this is right up my alley because I own a coffee roasting business in Cincinnati. So this is all the language that go. I use. <laughs> yeah. This is, this is the world that I live in, everything that you just said. Um, awesome. Yeah. And honestly, it's like, that's what I love about Social Enterprise Alliance is uh, one of the objectives of the alliance is, is to truly embrace that last word, alliance, right? And so to learn from other food producers or manufacturers or other coffee roasters, even, you know, I, it's, it's an interesting thing to be in competition as a social enterprise because, and in many ways, we're on the same team. Like my hope is that globally coffee is traded completely different. And honestly, I think coffee has one of the best opportunities. It's currently the third traded, uh, largest traded commodity in the world based on dollars spent. So as an industry, as we figure this kind of thing out, uh, and as we share information uh, back and forth with each other, and especially like through a partner like Social Enterprise Alliance, and we all align, now all of a sudden we do have an opportunity to show the world a brand new example of what global trade could be, of what anti-slavery, modern day slavery in the coffee supply chain looks like. Mm -hmm. Well, now can we learn take those principles to apply to other industries? Uh, and I think we do have an opportunity to transform the way we think about global trade, which to me also goes all the way back to this is how we can help corporate America. Like, all everybody wants this. The next generation of consumers are demanding um, a more responsibility from the corporate sector. And honestly, like uh, there was a recent Paris poll that Google Cloud used or, or went through the Google Cloud that most CEOs are saying that the world wants sustainability, that they, they want to make sustainability a priority. Um, but Globally, 58% admit to greenwashing mm. that what they say and what they do aren't necessarily all aligned. And I think it's like combating, we're trying to, not necessarily trying to be manipulative as much as the, the supply chain and the transparency required. Like we're doing our best effort. We do still have a long way to go. You know, so it's just interesting how to me that I, I think more and more the two worlds are kind of coming together and we can really learn a lot from each other. And I think your example was really great. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for, thanks for sharing that. And it, you know, one thing that sparks for me is like, I, I think at the, at the corporate level, we tend to think about it as, okay, this corporation is greenwashing. Right. And I think if we break it down and think about the individuals within the organization, right. I don't think there's any marketer anywhere that says, Oh, I want to go, I would go greenwash, right? But, but they're, they're under these intense goals to like hit these targets, right? They see the consumer interest. We've worked with some of these people before. I, I worked in the industry before, right? There's a lot of marketers believe that they're actually the future state of the organization. So by them saying something, right? They're then actually pushing the company to go achieve those things. Now, the, the consequence in the meantime is perceived greenwashing and that has to be addressed. Don't get me wrong. And also, the, the human that's making some of those decisions, right, the, co the committee of, of, of humans that are making those decisions, I think oftentimes 
they're also not just fully aware, right? And I think that's, that's, you know, when you asked me what Moving Worlds does at the beginning, I talked about these two audiences, right? I talked about the social enterprises and the humans within them. And I talked about corporations and the professionals within them that we really seek to educate. Because that's actually some of the huge value that we see from some of our corporate partners who are saying, hey, we're sponsoring our employees to learn about this stuff, to actually volunteer their skills and time with social enterprises to pull them into value chains. And then what happens to those professionals afterwards, right? They, they, these light bulbs go off. They say, oh, wow, I actually have an outdated view of corporate philanthropy and that can evolve. And there is this, this brighter model, right? And I think that's, you know, the, the work that, that you all do, right? Of helping, helping get this message out, right? I think that education is really still at the very early stages. And I think we have a huge opportunity to show that individuals everywhere, regardless of their role, can actually start to partner with social enterprises in, in even small ways. Uh, and, and then that really starts to pull them in. And I think we start to, uh, like one of our teammate kind of calls it like a Trojan horse approach, right? <laughs> Into the goal, yeah. right? But, but, but like th- this is actually how you show people if individuals believe that their own work can still deliver it and they can hit goals by partnering with social enterprises, then I think it goes by logic that the corporation can too. Yeah. Well, and you know, I just real quick, the, the Trojan horse comment, like you said earlier, I think sales is the language that we need to speak. Mm. Uh, right. Well, well, it's true. Like this is in it. If you want to see your business succeed in the, in the next generation, then this is what you need to do to pivot, yeah. right. In, in order to attract the consumer, not to mention things like employee wellness, the more that we do that, the more that we see employees as whole beings, yeah. the more retention that we'll have. Well, that's cheaper for the company. Like yeah. it does affect the bottom line when we really do apply social impact principles within yeah every aspect of our business. Yep, resonates. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I wonder too, so you've kind of shared how Moving Worlds, you know, helps to prepare corporations um, for these kinds of partnerships with social enterprises. How can social enterprises be preparing for these corporate partnerships? Mm. What's important for them to know? Yeah, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll share a story here. Um, there's a social enterprise that that we learned of that, um, you know, had a great kind of first pitch meeting with, with a corporate partner, right? And, and, and what's normal with a corporate partner, right? You've got three or four different buyers, right? That you have to all convince that you're the best solution for. So they have a great meeting and they're, Hey, we think we want to work with you. And, and the social enterprise is like, great. And they just like send them an invoice in their bank details, right? Um, and you're like, Hey, appreciate the enthusiasm, right? But, but what does a corporation actually need to go through first, right? They're going to go through in either formal procurement process or, Informal, meaning it's still a procurement process, even if, even if they don't totally have it labeled as procurement. So what happens? There's some type of usually, uh, uh, kind of, um, uh, services agreement. Some are called framework agreements. Uh, some, some are kind of, you know, comprehensive service agreements or others, but it's this comprehensive service agreement. And then from there, a statement of work is created. The statement of work then creates a purchase order, right? The purchase order is then created and then the social enterprise can invoice. What else has to happen, right? Things have to be invoiced on time. Uh, data has to be reported on time. Certain things have to be delivered within certain quality bars. There's so many things that social enterprises need to do as they kind of start to create connections with corporations. And and honestly speaking, they're, they're time intensive, right? You, you have to go through legal reviews, right? If you're doing anything with data, you have to go through GDPR compliance if you're working with the international corporation, right? Some of these, these data and privacy reviews can take months, right? We... we Moving worlds, we, we've been through those, right? We, so I think social enterprises, um, 
need actually uh, um, uh, uh, support in navigating some of these operational, uh, in some cases, improvements and compliance efforts in order to tap into into this market, right? But but here I want to step back for just a quick second. Um, over twelve trillion dollars every year, like one two trillion trillion with a T, is transacted through business to business transactions every single year, right? Business to business transactions that incorporate small businesses. This is a huge part of the global economy, right? So becoming corporate ready is actually an introduction into a $12 trillion market opportunity is, is the way that we, we think about it. So if you're trying to grow your social enterprise, growing through commercial partnerships, uh, and that can be with small enterprises, medium enterprises, or, or, or large enterprises, uh, is, is probably the biggest opportunity for most social enterprises. Now, so that should just justify the, that, the effort of going through there, but there is an element of readiness. And so that's really where our transform support hub, uh, supports social enterprises, right? It, it has cost saving guides to guide social enterprises through these kind of 11 different things that they need to do in order to be, to be scale ready. Uh, um, uh, in addition to cost-saving guides that reduce the need for consultants and also shorten a lot of team time to deliver some things. Um, they also have access to other peers, right? So they can get kind of peer guidance and coaching as they move through these things. And then they can access this international network of professionals from over 70 countries who actually volunteer their skills to help social enterprises um, go through some of that compliance, build their accounting systems, refine their marketing messaging, improve their technology, achieve their data security standards, whatever is needed. And so I think that kind of granular guidance we see as being very, very helpful uh, because it is a long road. And you're like, oh, I have to go do all these things, but what do I do first? Uh, and so maybe that's what I'd cap it with is, is sometimes social enterprises also just need like recognition that, hey, this road is also a little bit challenging, but like, here's the first most important thing that you can do. Yeah, that's fantastic. And that's so helpful too, because our membership really is comprised of, you know, all stages of social enterprises, you know, whether they've been around for 30 years and are, you know, very, very in the scaling uh, phase of things, or they're just getting started. And uh, so I think that's just really helpful insight. Yeah. Yeah. And I was getting ready to ask, like, okay, well, where do we begin? You kind of answered the question. Uh, Although I will say, um, you know, it does sound like to, to really step into that is to tap into the resources that you've built at Moving World. So we should maybe end with that. How would I access that? What does it look like to, to join the Transform Support Hub? Let us know how we can um, kind of tap into the platform that you guys have built. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, easiest thing is to go to movingworlds.org slash transform. Uh, and from there, you know, find the, find the information about social enterprises. Uh, we do have a, an, an application link to the platform. Um, we we're, we're transparent about what those criteria are. We definitely err on the side of inclusion and we're, we're very clear as to, to kind of what, what, what you need in order to have access. Our goal is to be as inclusive as possible here. Uh, once on, there is an, a, an assessment. So we recommend that you kind of take this scale up assessment, kind of guides you on, on what resources to benefit the most. Uh, and then from there, ask our team, right? If you're looking for, we call it expert tiering. This is where the professionals volunteer their expertise. So expert tiering. Um, if you're looking for guidance on any of these steps, just, you know, it's pretty simple form, uh, uh, from, your dashboard once you're once you're on the platform you can post it in addition we do live community events on a monthly basis uh where we uh invite you to meet 
industry leaders. You can engage with other peers. If you're working on one of your learning guides uh, or, or trying to complete one of your templates uh, and you just need some support, uh, we have standing sessions with our team to, to help do that. Um, and uh, one thing that's really been growing in popularity for us is just our community newsletters. Uh, so if you have any wins, if you have anything that you want to feature, we'd love to put you on social, right? We'd love to, we'd love to get you out there, include you in newsletters. Uh, so if you have anything you want to celebrate, you just let us know. Uh, and we include that in, in our external communications. Fantastic. Well, Mark, it's certainly been a pleasure. And, um, yeah, what you guys have built is, is I think a wealth of wisdom that, is, is just a tremendous resource for, for so many people. And I love the fact that you guys are working in the corporate side too. You know, at the end of the day, we're all people. Yeah. And it is, it's a lot easier for me to think that we're all inherently good and we're really trying to make the world a better place, like even if you work in corporate America. So uh, I love that position that you've taken as well. Uh, so thank you so much for joining the podcast today. And um, yeah, and SEA members who are listening, make sure you tap into this resource. It's really helpful. Thanks so much. Really appreciate the opportunity. Thanks, Mark.